0: Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, we are returning to your questions on the chat box. I don't have uh, the opportunity to reach out uh, to ask their questions, to discuss their questions. One of the things I really love about uh, Serenity and about One Legacy Radio is it gives people the opportunity from literally all over the world to connect and to share their questions and to share their struggles with each other. Um, and inshallah, I will try to uh, address as many uh, of your questions as I can. Uh, inshallah ta'ala. rahim One of the first questions uh, that I received uh, in the chat box is a question that many, many people face. Uh, and it's a question about when you are faced in, in Islam with many different conflicting opinions. Uh, you know, there's some people who say you need to uh, practice this way and others who say you need to practice this other way. And sometimes you become very confused as to which uh, way you should go, uh, which path you should take. I'm going to answer this question in a more broad way and, and, and inshallah, uh, hopefully a deeper way, because this is not just you know restricted to uh fiqhi opinions right it's not just restricted to how do we pray properly uh, or, or or where do we hold our hands when we pray and and uh, those types of details but i think it's a bigger question of how do we make decisions uh, how do we know which way to go and so i want to talk about it from that uh perspective as a grander question it isn't again just uh limited to issues of fiqh, but it's actually uh, every day of our life we're faced with, with choices. We're faced with questions. And sometimes the answer is clear and sometimes it isn't clear. Sometimes we're faced with two uh, different paths or, or three or, or more, many paths. Uh, and, We have no idea which one to take. It isn't always so clear that this is the right answer and this is the wrong answer and I need to push myself to take the right answer. But sometimes they all look equally uh, plausible or equally good and we have no idea which one to take. This happens uh, in decisions we make, uh, large, big decisions that we make uh, about Uh, career, perhaps uh, about which major uh, to pursue, uh, about who to marry, uh, about just, you know, these bigger, you know, where should we move, which offer to take. Uh, And then even about smaller things, Uh, you know, just, just which, uh, what should I do today? You know, should I uh, meet this person or should I do this other task? And what should I do first? And uh, we're, we're basically faced with questions, we're basically faced with choices rather uh, all the time. We're always we're always making choices. The, so the question is a bigger question, uh, and that is how do we make decisions and how do we move? Uh, do we? Uh, in, in, what is our methodology in terms of movement and in terms of choices? And so I want to give you, inshallah, um, a way to look at this uh, that would apply to all of these things. And it's a different way to look at, uh, I think, our lives and the way we make decisions. Mostly the way that the the conventional uh, method, I would say, of making decisions or or movement is basically a self sort of um, propelled or self-oriented type of Uh, of methodology. What that means is that I rely on myself to make decisions. Uh, I will, when faced with two options, I will say, okay, I got to make the best decision. And I rely on me and I, I'll go back to my intellect, I'll go back to my rationality, I might, you know, gather some data. uh, And I basically put it upon myself to the, the um, responsibility of choosing the best option. I put that very large responsibility upon my own shoulders uh, sometimes i might put it on the shoulders of others i might ask others uh, what should i do you know or or seek advice but ultimately the 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 idea is that i have to make this decision and i have to move myself uh, or i am moved by uh, other people or i am moved by by some form of the creation or another and I, I want us to unlearn that. Uh, and I want us to actually completely change the way in which we look at decision making, uh, to, to, to doing something different. Uh, and that is that, yes, we continue to do the research and we continue to, to use the intellect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us. We continue to use those tools and those means, but we are very, very careful to not uh, try to move ourselves, but rather get in the habit, the mindset, the heart set of always asking God to move us, of always seeking that uh, that help from him, that we acknowledge in all of those things that we do, that we acknowledge in every aspect of life, that you know and I do not know. This is a part of, for example, the, the prayer of istikhara. Part of it and the very beginning of the prayer of istikhara, the dua that, that goes along with istikhara is that you acknowledge that God knows and you don't know that what I'm asking you to do is to take that acknowledgement and apply it to everything in your life, uh, and so you're you're actually realizing you're seeing every decision in your life. You're seeing everything uh, that you're all the movements that you're making it, through that lens of God knows best, right? Allah knows, and I don't know. So when we make our movements, and when we uh, we, we use the tools that, that God gave us, but all along we, we know and our heart is seeing this reality uh, of innaka a'lam, indeed you know and I don't know. Uh, so this then applies practically on every level. Uh, when we're going to make a big decision, we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Allah to take us to the best decision instead of saying this is what I want or this is what I think, or this is what I see. Instead, we say, this is what I think but Allah knows best instead we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask him to push us and to take us to the best decision this applies to career choice, this applies to uh, you know schooling this applies to marriage, this applies to every single aspect of our life and it also applies to religion, what I advise you to do because yes it's true there are so many different apparent ways right and even if we say okay I want to f- follow the path of uh, Islam we've chosen that even within that there's so many differing opinions sometimes uh, different ways to worship God do I you know do I I want to worship God but do I do it as a doctor or I do it as a writer Um, you know how what is the best way to do this uh, and and so what I would say is We we really need to go back to this understanding of God knows best. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lead us in that direction that is most pleasing to him and that is most khair. Uh, and, and, and one dua that I would, uh, recommend to you, uh, specifically with regards to issues of religion where you're trying to figure out which path to take or do I practice this or do, do, do I do this or do I follow this fiqhi opinion or that? Um, you continue to do your research. You continue to use the means available to you, uh, through knowledge and through intellect and through understanding. But, but one thing ultimately is no matter how much information you have, and no matter how much uh, even schooling you have, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not guide your heart to the truth, you will never find it. So it's very important that we realize that. And alongside the efforts that we make to find truth is, is, is first and foremost, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to truth. And one dua that is, that is specifically, um, for that is, Allahumma arina al haqqan wa rzuqna wa arina al-baatila baatila wa This dua means, Oh God, show us truth, capital T, show us truth as truth and bless us with following it and show us falsehood capital f and bless us with refraining from it or staying away from it in this dua we are asking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the correct insight the correct uh the the, the clean lens to be able to see things as they really are and to understand which path inshallah ta'ala is is going to be pleasing to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the next question says, Salam all into Sister Yasmeen. Just wanted to say that your show on the marriage crisis was great, mashallah. And I was wondering if you can do another one to extend the reflection, maybe. Um, inshallah ta'ala, we will have uh, continued, uh, you know, on this topic. I think it's a, obviously it's, it's pretty much a topic that, that you could have an entire uh, show about, right? Uh, every show about, in fact, because there's so many issues that relate to that. Inshallah, we will have um, more, more uh, on that topic. Salaam Sister Yasmeen, I'm very bitter the past couple of months because my prayers are not being answered. I want to get married and I see all my friends around me getting married and having a family. What should I what should I do to not be so resentful towards Allah? This is a very important question. This is a question a lot of us fall into. Um it's i I, I think it it happens when we start to uh we start to see things in a way, uh, you know, sort of mix things up in terms of our perspective. Um, when we say this, so we say that uh, my prayers are not being answered. I think our problem really has to do with what is our ultimate goal? So we have to really, you know, trace it back and sit down with ourselves, sit down with our heart and ask, what is my ultimate goal? If we find that our ultimate goal is anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is really the root of our problem. And I'll explain. For example, if my ultimate goal is to get married, that's my ultimate goal, then what happens is I will ask God to give me that because that's my ultimate goal. And in fact, what I even end up doing is I start to use God as a tool. I start to use God as a, um, a means to get to my ultimate goal, which is to get married. As a result, I will make dua. I will go back to my religious tradition and I'll say, okay, well, how can I use God? Um, well, God tells me that I can make a wish, right? I can, make, I, can, I can make dua. So what I do is I go and I make dua. Okay, my ultimate goal is to get married. So every day I ask for that. Um, and then when I don't get that, I get very frustrated with this with this tool that I've just now used as a tool. I get very frustrated because it's not coming through for me. This is a lot like um basically we we have our goals and unfortunately we have defined our ultimate goals as things from this life, things of the dunya uh, to get married, to get a particular job, to have a particular salary, to have children uh, these are things that we make as our ultimate goal and what we then do is we use Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reach that goal and when he doesn't give us what we ask for we get very resentful. Now, the problem with this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a tool. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not the means. Allah is actually the ultimate goal. If we have that in perspective and we understand that the reality of our existence is that Allah is the ultimate goal, we're told in the Quran again and again and again that every other thing passes away every other thing fades except for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فان, right we are told that everything else is fading away is passing away except allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only thing that remains and so what happens is and 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 we're also told allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is One of the attributes of Allah is that He is the first, He is the beginning, and He is the last, He is the end. So everything ends at Allah subhanahu wa lillahi al-masir. Everything ends there. If we really understand that, then we will be able to see all other things as actually tools to get to Allah. All other things as actually means of getting to Allah. Instead of the other way around. The reason why we become uh, very hurt. The reason why we become very disappointed. The reason why ultimately we break. Is because we've switched it around. Instead of making Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ultimate goal. And making everything else a means. We've switched it around. We've taken this life. We've taken the things from the dunya. Which were supposed to be a means to get to Allah. And we've made them the goal. And then we've taken Allah and made Him the means. Made Him the tool. And, and as I, um, like to compare it to as though, and Allah is high above such analogies, بالله, as though Allah is a genie in a bottle that we're using, right? We get this, okay, I'm just using this to get to my marriage, or I'm just using this to get to my job. But ultimately, what do I really want? It's not Allah that I want. It's my job that I want. It's my money that I want. It's my marriage that I want. It's dunya that I want. And Allah is just there to be used. And and when that genie isn't working, we throw the bottle away. And this is how we deal with the lord of the universe this is this is how we deal with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is an injustice of the you know in infinite proportions because allah is not a means allah is not a tool uh, that we use and when it's not you know it's not working the way we like it then we throw it away allah is the end allah is the goal and however allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever path allah gives us to get to that goal We're grateful because ultimately he's our goal. What does that mean in this context? It means that suppose for one person Allah has given them the path of marriage to get to the goal of Allah. Suppose for another person Allah has given them the path of not getting married to get to Allah. If both paths get to Allah then shouldn't we be pleased? Shouldn't we be satisfied with either? Our problem is only when Allah is not our destination and rather the marriage itself is or the job itself is. And so we are very, very resentful and frustrated when we don't get to that goal. But if we can completely redefine um, or, or basically reorient what is the ultimate goal, then we will be able to be pleased with whatever path takes us there, even if it means marriage or not marriage, even if it means one career or, or, or another, or not getting that career or not having that, um, you know, that raise or, or having children or not having children, whatever path takes us to our destination. We don't care as long as we get to our destination. Inshallah, I will take another, uh, I'll take a uh, our first short break, um, now. And when we return, we will continue taking your live questions on the chat box.
1: غربا غربا غربا
0: Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmeen Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, we are returning to your questions on the chat box, and we have the next question. In fact, there is a number of questions asking about situations where you want to marry someone or you want to marry a certain type of person, and your parents uh, don't agree. And how do you convince them, or how do you deal with that? Uh, we also have a question about how to deal with a uh, rejected proposal. Uh, I, I think again, uh, these these questions uh, all. All relate back to to the same type of uh, issue. And that is how do we accept uh, when we want something and it doesn't work out right or uh, we're trying really hard for something that we we believe is best for us or we, we really want to happen and it doesn't happen. And uh, to kind of give you an illustration of, of how one way to be able to see the reality of this, uh, I'll kind of give you a story. Uh, and it's a story about uh, something that uh, happened with my son when he was uh, about two years old. Uh, what had happened is that uh, that's kind of the age where kids are are trying to be very independent, right? So he was trying to assert his independence by trying to get himself out of the car on his own and doing his own thing. So I was close by watching over what he was doing. And as he's getting out of the car, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's handling it and he's fine and he's about to close the door. And I notice at this point that if he does, uh, if I allow him to close the door on his own, he's um, going to hit his head, that the door is going to hit his head. I can see that this is going to happen. He, uh, on the other hand, does not see that that would happen. Uh, so what I do at that point is I go and I, I carry him and I close the door myself. Well, you can imagine uh, how upset he got uh, he got very, very upset because I didn't let him close the door. And as you know, um, anyone who's dealt with two year olds uh, knows that they get very upset if they don't get their way. Um, or if you know sometimes they really want to do things on their own and be independent. And if it's done for them, they get very upset. So he had a a meltdown at this point. and and when you ref- when I was sort of reflecting on that story, it really uh, within it was a lesson because a lot of us uh, as adults are just like that two-year-old uh because what happens is we want certain things a certain way and and we want it really badly and we can't see any problem in it we can't see any harm in it however allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows more allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees what we don't see and allah is high above any analogy but allah sees what we don't see and sometimes we really really want something uh but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't let us have it. Uh, Sometimes Allah withholds uh, and and, or or sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us something different. And we just like that two year old, just like my son, we also we we also get very upset. And we also have a, you know, that that sort of meltdown, uh, because we didn't it didn't work out the way I wanted it didn't happen the way that I know that I'm certain that it should have. And yet we're not able to step back. And realize that it, at, at times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He withholds things. He doesn't give us things um, because He's protecting us. And I didn't let my son... Uh, close the door himself because I saw harm in it, which he did not see. He could not see, uh, and 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 there are many times where we really want a certain thing. You know, it may be that we want really, really want this to marry this certain person, or we really, really uh, feel attached to to a certain individual, and we can't. We've tried everything, and we just we, it doesn't work out uh, either because of parents or because of one reason or another. It doesn't work out and it's very hard for us to let go sometimes and and you know it's it's really because of a lack sometimes of understanding and of of foresight of of sight because we can't see the harm in some things for us uh and and there's another there's another beauty to to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withholding any time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withholds he's actually giving so even when Allah gives so Allah give when when Allah gives He's giving. When Allah withholds, He is still giving. Allah is always giving us, uh, and and sometimes we just don't recognize it uh, because we don't have that understanding. And it's kind of like we as adults as well. We go through uh, what what you could call uh, spiritual maturity, right? You know, with children, you you see them as they grow; they can understand better. Um, you know, once he. If he was eight years old or ten years old, uh, you know, and I could explain it to him, I could tell him, uh, and he could maybe understand why that happened or, and he wouldn't have gotten as upset. But because his, his love, his level of understanding was less mature, he got very upset. And, and we're very similar, you know, as adults, regardless of how old we are, uh, our, our, sometimes our spiritual maturity, our insight is not matured, uh, is, is not very advanced and we don't, uh, see these things for what they are. All we can see is, I didn't get to close the door, right? I didn't get the job I wanted, or I didn't get admitted to, to the school I wanted, or I didn't get to marry the person I wanted. That's all we see, but we can't see deeper than that, and we can't uh, acknowledge the, the fact that Allah knows best. This is a central part of our faith is to understand that every single thing, uh, you know, that whatever passed us by uh, was not meant to befall us and whatever befell us was not meant to pass us by. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that a person will never taste the sweetness of faith until they realize this reality that whatever passed you by was not meant to befall you and whatever befell you was not meant to pass you by. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best we were reminded of this reality again and again in the Quran and in the in the hadith of the prophet sallallahu uh, alayhi and and Allah for example tells us in the Quran you know the hadith or rather the ayah that many of us have have heard many times and that is that it may be that you love something and it's bad for you and it may be that you hate something and it's good for you Allah knows and we do not know in uh, you know, subhanAllah, I have, I have experienced this in my own life. And I think many of you have as well, that also, sometimes we're asking for something again and again and again, we want a specific thing over, you know, so badly. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give it to us. And at times, that's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give us something better. Uh, and, and you, you'll, you'll see that, uh, you know, life teaches you. And when you look, Back at your life is when you really are able to see that. You know they say in the cliche that hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, that when you look back, you can understand a lot better than when you're in it. Uh, and and we should be we should start to do that. We should start to reflect on our lives and learn lessons. Uh, that's part of maturing. That's part of growing. That's part of development. Is being able to look back at our life and say, okay, this was a, this was an instance where I really really wanted. XYZ. I really wanted that job or I really wanted to marry that person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't let it work out, didn't make it work out. But then look what happened instead. Look at what I got instead of that, that particular thing I asked for. And it was so much better for me. Being able to really sit and reflect on our lives uh, in that way is essential for our development uh, and and for our growth uh, internally. So that whenever we're faced in the future with something That we, you know, we try all, all we can. We've, we've exhausted the means and it does not work out. That we're able to say, you know what? I've learned, you know, so now it's not just book knowledge, but it's experiential knowledge. I have learned experientially that sometimes Allah withholds to give me something better. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows better for me. And, and so it becomes a very solid knowledge when we reflect on our lives. Uh, and it helps us to deal in the future whenever things don't work out exactly the way we want it, uh, we know that Allah wants what's best for us. This is an essential part of حُسْنِ Billah, that having a good opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you know for sure that Allah always wants good for you, that whatever Allah chooses for you, you know, again, you've exhausted the means, you've done what you can, but Allah chose a different option for you that you know with full certainty that Allah only wants good for you it really has to do with our understanding of who Allah is see if you have a friend or rather if you think about um, a physician if you have a doctor and you you have one doctor who you completely trust and you have another doctor who you don't really trust you kind of think that that other doctor either a doesn't know what he's talking about or she's talking about or b does not have your best interests in mind if you if you believe that someone that that doctor doesn't know what they're talking about or doesn't have your best interests in mind You're not going to trust what he or she is doing for you. But when you go to a doctor who you completely trust and you know that that doctor is specialized in that field and you know that that doctor has your best interests in mind, whatever the doctor tells you, you're going to trust it and you're going to believe that, okay, he told me to take this medication or he told me to do this treatment even when the treatment hurts even when it involves a shot, even when it involves something that causes us pain, we trust the doctor. And therefore we know that this is for my own good because this doctor, A, knows what he's talking about, knows what she's talking about, and B, has my best interest in mind. Now think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're the type of person who doesn't trust him who doesn't realize who doesn't believe that he has your best interest in mind that he wants what's good for you then you're always going to question every time something doesn't happen the way you want it or you or you're always going to be broken by that because you don't really firmly know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the one who wants what's best for you and who knows best the 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 answer to this uh, this constant, you know, th- the solution to this constant disappointment when things don't work out the way we want them is to really get to know the doctor, is to really get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to know that this is uh, our Creator who A knows best, absolutely, His knowledge extends over all things, and His mercy extends over all things and that he has your best interests in mind. This is part of husn al billah, having the best opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can you question? How can you question someone who knows better and who has your best interests in mind? Sadia writes, Assalamu alaikum everyone. Please make dua for my daughter who is three and still not taking much and docs are suspecting autism. I believe in the power of dua, so remember her in your prayers. Thank you all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cure your daughter and, and give her inshallah ta'ala a full uh, recovery, full shifa. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy on her and make it easy on you and make uh, you know, whatever condition either of you are in a means to get closer to him. Uh, Amen. Layla writes, will I ever find a practicing Muslim husband if I have a past? I have started practicing Islam more recently, but seems like my past will affect my future. I am quite worried about finding a good husband. Uh, Layla, what I say to you and to all those who who have a past, um, which is... Which is, you know, I, I think that there's different ways to look at this, but um, none of us are perfect. Uh, we 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 all uh, have mistakes that we've made. Uh, so in that sense, we all have a past uh, in one in one way or another. Uh, however, what we need to realize is this: a couple things. One is all risk, all provision comes from arrozak. All provision comes from. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your good husband uh, is also a provision is also a risk you should never fear your um, risk like you should never fear that your risk will not come if you are seeking it from a Razak. if you're seeking your provision from the provider from the most generous Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is al karim as well Allah is the most generous uh, someone who is the most generous loves to give. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Wahhab, uh, the one who loves to give gifts specifically. Uh, so Allah is 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 all of these things when when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity, when it comes to provision. Now, you also spoke about your past, meaning sins, right? Um, Allah is also the most merciful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also Ar-Rahman and al rahim And at the Allah is also, um, the one who, uh, loves to forgive and forgives again and again and again, and forgives even the greatest of sins. Uh, so really, you know, we only really start to worry about these things. If we, if we think that there's a limit, right? We only worry about our provision. If we believe that there's a limit in the source of provision, that's the only time we would worry, right? It's kind of like in Ramadan, um, Everyone's really hungry, and if 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 people believe that there's only a limited amount of food, that's kind of when they start to push and shove and and and, and budge in line, right? Um, but if you thought that there was an unlimited source of food. You really wouldn't be too worried. You don't need a push. You don't need a shove. You just, you know, you're going to get your food. There's no limited quantity. There's no limited source. You know, it's like Black Friday deals, right? You have, um, that's how they do it is they, they want, they, they have a limited amount of really, really good deals. Uh, and that's how they get you to the stores, right? So they have a limited amount, uh, it, you know, that supply and demand. So they have very, very limited supply and then you have this huge demand. So how do people act? Well, um, you know, one year there was a woman who was like using mace on people, like literally uh, because she needed to get her video game for a a certain amount, you know, a certain price. And she knew that that, that there was a limited quantity, uh, a limited supply. This is how we act as human beings. When when we feel that the supply is limited, uh, we start to become anxious, right? But if we knew that it was an unlimited supply, an unlimited source, then we don't feel anxious. We don't worry, uh, this is really how we, we cure the problem of anxiety when it comes to risk, is if you thought that your risk was limited or the source of your provision was limited, then it makes sense to be worried. But when you know that it comes from an unlimited source, we're told in a hadith Qudsi that if every single human being, if all creation, if all of mankind from the beginning till the end came together and asked Allah subhanahu wa taala for something. Also, think about all from all time. Uh, asked Allah subhanahu wa taala for something, and if He were to give every single one of them what they asked for, it would not decrease His kingdom any more than a than a needle decreases the water from an ocean when you dip it into it. And and so this is who we're dealing with. We're dealing with Allah subhanahu wa taala, who's who's a source that is un unlimited, is a source that is that is un that is unending and does not... Diminish, uh, so so that is how we keep uh, that hope, and that is how we we keep from despairing, uh, and and that applies to provision, and it also applies to mercy. Uh, if we thought that our sins or our past was too great for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to forgive, then we don't know who Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is. That means we're saying that our sins are greater than His mercy, which in and of itself is a is a is a Blasphemy to even believe that anything uh, supersedes his mercy. His mercy, uh, Allah says that my mercy, it, it, it encompasses every single thing. Uh, so so Allah's mercy is unending. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allah forgives often over and over. And also Allah forgives even the, the biggest of, of sins. Lastly, with that question of, of a past, I want to I uh, remind you of the story of some of the greatest companions that ever, you know, the, the, some of the greatest human beings that ever walked the earth. And those are the uh, companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When you look at, for example, the story of Umar, it is such a powerful lesson in Allah's power. To, to transform and, and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power to, to completely erase a, a quote unquote past. Um, look at Umar radhilan. Umar Adulla An was someone who had buried his daughter, as was the tradition at that time, uh, you know, where they would bury their daughters alive. He had done that. Uh and so he would be, you know, if if if, if we use the terminology, his in his past he had murdered. He was a murderer. Uh and in fact he was on his way to murder the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was going to kill the Prophet, um Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And look at what he became. You know, he was someone who had a past and he had more of a past than any of us do. Uh, And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, completely turned it around and he ended up being one of the ten promised Jannah, one of the greatest people uh, to walk the earth. The person who the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if there was any other Prophet, you know, uh, other than those who Allah chose, it would be Umar radiallahu So, you know, this is, this is really where we have to come back and, and understand who we're dealing with. We're dealing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are not dealing with some limited quantity or some limited source of mercy or provision. Uh so so what I say to you is is never never worry uh that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala can't provide. Just make sure that you are making Allah what you love most. And that's key. Uh that you that you that what you love uh, and what you fear and what you hope in most is Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you do that, he takes care of everything else. Uh inshallah we will take another short break. Uh, Now, and when we return, uh, we will look again at the chat box for your live questions. Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmeen Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity streaming live on One Legacy Radio. We are taking your questions live in the chat box, uh, and we have a number of questions uh, related to marriage, related to uh, having trouble seeking a spouse, and then having trouble uh, with a spouse, and how to sort of. You know, make it so that uh, we're successful in, in that domain. Uh, and I think, um, inshallah, to, to address some of those questions, uh, you know, some people are saying that they, they, they want to start to be more uh, practicing and, you know, especially start their marriage in, in the right way. Uh, some people said that they were starting to wear hijab and, uh, you know, and, and what's the best way to do that? I want to want to say that uh, you know, subhanAllah the, the answers are really much more simple than than we make them. A lot of times we complicate things and really the answer is much simpler uh, than we think. And on, honestly, uh, this, the, the way to be successful in every single aspect of our life is stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That sounds very vague, right? How do I stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I'm going to simplify it. Uh, the way to stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is essentially we have to do two things consistently first we have to consistently clean our hearts through tawbah uh, basically our hearts uh, are the our prized possession, right? Our heart, if we want to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how do we be close to Him? The way we are close to Allah is through the heart. That's the apparatus that becomes close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the sacred land in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws close to us. So we have to keep that clean. You are not going to invite a very important king into your house if it's dirty. And that, and, and, you know, it's, it's just a, a king does not enter a dirty house. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not enter a dirty heart. So we have to consistently be cleaning our hearts with repentance. When, whenever we commit sins, we are dirtying that house. We are dirtying the heart. And we can't expect that there will ever be a point where we stop committing sins because none of us are angels. We are human beings and we are weak. And there is no way that we can live a, li- a, a life where we never commit sins again. We we constantly, it's kind of like expecting that I took a shower today. So now I don't have to take a shower again for the rest of my life because you know what? I'm clean now, right? And and i no dirt is going to get on me. That's impossible. If someone said that, you know, you'd say they were crazy. Um, And and so that's really the same reality uh, spiritually, the same reality internally. We are, of course, going to get dirty. And and, and what happens to a person who doesn't take a shower regularly is they become very, very dirty. Uh, That person will start to smell and will start to build up dirt. Similarly, the heart. The heart also begins up, begins to, to to build up dirt on it from the stains of sin. So repentance, keeping the heart clean by consistently asking Allah to forgive us. Istighfar, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from the effect of our sin, from the stain of our sin and to wash that away. Tawbah, coming back to Allah, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with humility and sincerity to forgive us. And this is, has to be consistent, just like you consistently take a bath. Second is we have to feed the heart. You know, these are realities which we know in the physical world. Um, To take care of a body, what do you do? You feed it, and you keep it clean, right? It's the same thing with the heart. Uh, we have a lot of hearts out there that are starving. They're not being fed. And then they wonder, and then people wonder, why am I having problems uh, connecting to God? Or or why am I having problems in understanding this or that? or So many problems. In fact, every single problem that we have can be traced back to this this one issue and that is the condition of the heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the nearness of the heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and and so we have people who starve their hearts and they don't understand why why there's a problem Um, you know if you were to starve a body you know it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out hey you know you're dying because you're not eating you're starving because you're not eating it, with the heart it's the same thing we don't remember allah enough we don't have enough dhikr in our life enough remembrance when we say dhikr dhikr remembrance is this is this umbrella term uh, which includes any type of remembrance. It includes the dua that we make. It includes prayer. It includes reading Quran. It includes seeking knowledge. It includes being in the company of those who are remembering Allah. It includes halaqat and classes and lectures online. All of these things are ways to remember Allah. Afkar. when we say in the morning, when we wake up, subhanAllah, Allahu Akbar, all the ad'iyah that we say throughout the day, these are all under the, the overall umbrella of dhikr. And it is that dhikr, which is the food of the heart? If we are, if we are not giving our heart enough of that food, guess what? It's going to starve, and eventually the heart becomes diseased, and and it can die. That heart is not going to be healthy, and a healthy heart cannot be close to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. A a a a heart that is not healthy cannot see things properly, cannot understand things properly, and is going to have a lot of problems. So when you ask you, you know, you ask these questions of how do I make it right if it's wrong, or how do I, you know, how do I start off on the right foot, how do I get closer to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, how do I keep this problem from happening, how do I deal with this uh, pain that I'm, doing? De- all of these questions, the answer comes back to this one issue and that is keeping your heart healthy with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and very again it is very very simple Um, it has to do with cleaning your cleaning your heart from the sin through tawbah repentance consistently and feeding and nourishing your heart with food through the remembrance of Allah. That means you can't be missing prayers. That means that you need to strive to to focus better in your prayers. That means you need to increase your time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, making dua, reflecting, reading His words, not just reading them, you know, and just to read it and to finish, but to understand and to ponder and to think about what do these words have to do with my life? Why? You know, what is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling me personally today uh, on this day in 2012? You know, this is what we have to ask. This is what we have to do in order to keep that heart alive. In order to keep, um, you know, just, just the same way that we have to keep our body alive by eating, uh, and then keep it clean by taking a bath. We need to keep our heart alive by, through dhikr, and we need to keep it clean through tawbah and istighfar. Nafisa writes, My heart is filled with regret for things I've done and opportunities I've missed in life. How does one take away the bitterness of life's regrets? I've made so many mistakes. The way that one takes away the bitterness of life's regrets is that you realize you come back to focusing on the ultimate goal. Is you come back to thinking, okay, all these things have happened to me. What am I doing all this for? Why am I here? You know, we have to come back to these essential questions to put things into perspective. My ultimate goal is is to be as close to God as possible. Simple, very simple. All the things that have happened in my life, if they take me closer to that ultimate goal, then I am thankful for them. How can you regret anything that happened in your life if ultimately it brought you back to God? How can you possibly regret anything that happened in your life if ultimately it brought you back to your ultimate goal, to the definition of success, it wouldn't make sense that I would regret something that made me successful. Our problem is that we have the wrong definitions of success and we have the wrong definitions of failure. If we can redefine correctly what is success, capital S, right, al-fawz, al-azim, right, the real success, and what is failure, the real failure, capital F, that that those people who really have lost, if we can redefine what those things mean, then we can put everything back into perspective. If we can redefine success as being that one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with after this life has passed, after this whole illusion, this this blink of an eye of a life has passed, this blink of an eye of, of a dunya, of a world has passed, the one who Allah is pleased with, the one who Allah has forgiven, and, and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ عَنَ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَقَدْ فَازِ It's really very simple, the definition of success, the one who was just barely saved, from hellfire and entered into jannah indeed he has succeeded that is success and if, if if anything that happened in your life ultimately brings you to success then how can you regret it it doesn't matter what it was but if it brought you to success then that's the definition of happiness that's the definition of gratitude thank god i was successful uh, again Um, we have to redefine success. We have to redefine failure. Know that, you know, um, your, our, our issue with, with even defining failure is, you know, is that we think that I have failed if my relationship didn't work out or my, or I lost my job or I, or, you know, I wasn't able to, to, to get the status that I wanted or I didn't get into the school. That's how we define failure. And so we regret. Um but if we really, really come back to the the, the proper definitions of these things, uh we, we would be able to put our life into perspective. Um and subhanallah there's many stories to teach us this, but inshallah I'm going to share just these and that is when you look at the 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 sira of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam there's a one of the greatest companions of the prophet muhammad sallallahu was a man named malik ibn dinar and malik ibn dinar wasn't always practicing as we would call he wasn't always one of the greatest companions of the prophet muhammad sallallahu in fact he used to be uh, an alcoholic he used to be someone who would get drink excessively uh and live that type of life and one you know one, one time basically he he had a daughter uh, who he loved very very much probably that was what he uh, one of the most beloved things to him and one day his daughter died uh, when she was very young she passed away at this point Malik Ibn Dinar uh, was so devastated by her death that he swore he would drink more than he had ever drank before until he passed out And when he passed out, he had a very profound dream. Uh, In that dream, he saw himself running away, trying to escape from a a giant snake. And he sees an old man and he says to the old man, save me. But the old man says, I'm too weak to save you. And then he eventually gets to another area uh, where he sees some children. And he sees, he hears his daughter's name, the one who had passed away. And he goes to her and and he talks to her. In the dream, and she says to him, "Do you know who that old man was? And do you know who that snake was?" And she goes on to explain to him who they were. And she said that that snake is your bad deeds, and that old man is your good deeds. Your good deeds were too weak to save you from your bad deeds. And then she goes on to recite an ayah from Surah Al-Hadid. أَلَمْ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ And the ayah continues, and the ayah means has the time not come for أَلَمْ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا has the time not come for those who have believed that their hearts will be shaken or moved by the, by the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they would humble themselves by the remembrance of God وَلَا يكونوا كالذين أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلُ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدُ فَقَّسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ And that they would not be like those who were given the book before and time went by and their hearts became hardened. And subhanallah, a lot of us are in that situation. Our good deeds are too weak to save us from our bad deeds and our hearts have become hardened. So this ayah is asking, has the time not come for the hearts of the believers to be humbled by the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have forsaken the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as a result, our hearts have become hardened. And as a result, we face all the problems that we currently face in our lives is because of this reason. When he woke up from that dream, he went to the masjid and prayed fajr. And when he went there, the Imam recited that very verse. And he goes on to explain that from that day on, his life just transformed. He transformed his life. And he became, he went from being this, this alcoholic with a quote, past uh, to being one of the greatest companions uh, ever to walk the earth. And one thing that we can learn from this, among many lessons, is it was a tragedy. It was the loss of his daughter that brought him back. It was the, it was a tragic event. Uh, it was a painful event. It was a loss that ultimately brought him back to ultimate success. Uh, so we see here that that isn't something that when you look at it from the larger scheme of things, right, when you widen the lens and you really see it, yes, he lost some time with his daughter in this life, but because of that event, he eventually, it completely changed him. And as a result, he ended up being one of the greatest and nearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the greatest companions, one of those nearest to Allah. And now, inshallah ta'ala, he will be with his daughter forever. Uh, so it was, again, sometimes it's a tragedy, sometimes it's a painful uh, event, it's a loss, it's something not working out. But if it brings you closer to ultimate success, فاز, If it brings you closer to that salvation, salvation from, from hellfire and entering Jannah and being with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it was actually good for you aqul qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum innahu ghafurur rahim subhanak allah wa bihamdak ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa
1: barakatuh